Hey there, my name is Lainey Latta, and I'm a production lead at a soybean seed production facility in central Illinois, and you are listening to the Whisper Loud podcast, where we give folks a seat at the table to have candid conversations on careers and decisions faced by women in seed production. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., find a voice in a whisper. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Whisper Loud podcast. We are here to have candid chats about career progression, motivation, reservations, and those tough decisions and moments faced by women in seed production. My name is Megan Reynolds. I am one of your hosts for today. I am a production manager based out of Southwest Minnesota, and I am joined today by Allie, Quincy, and Chelsea. Quincy, will you introduce yourself? Sure thing. Hi, everyone. My name is Quincy Olenek. I am a production manager at a commercial corn production facility in Central East Illinois. Thanks, Quincy. Allie, do you want to Give yourself an introduction. Yeah, thank you. My name is Allie Jack. I am a quality compliance and continuous improvement manager um, at a manufacturing facility in um, central Iowa. All right. And then lastly, we've got Chelsea as one of our hosts today. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Hagan. I am a senior operations specialist uh, supporting the east and east central corn sites um, sitting in northern Indiana. And today I get the pleasure of introducing to you our guest, Jeff Medley. So Jeff is a regional site lead for the east commercial corn region, and he's responsible for the corn manufacturing sites in Indiana and Michigan. He's been with the company for a little over five years, and I have had the opportunity to work closely with Jeff for the last five years, and he has been a champion for inclusion and diversity at the site and across the organization. He has a talent for recognizing and utilizing diversity of skill set and background experience when building teams, and he is a fantastic family full of successful and inspiring women, which I'm sure he'll share with us today. We thought he would be a great guest to discuss allyship with our network, and we're excited to speak with him. So welcome, Jeff. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your career path? Well, first of all, uh, Chelsea, thanks thanks for that introduction. That was uh, those were kind words. And uh, to all all of you, Allie, Megan, Quincy, and Chelsea, thanks for asking me to be here today. I really appreciate it. <clears throat> so I grew up. I actually grew up in northern Indiana uh, on a small farm. Um, our family farmed about fifteen hundred acres, and Dad was also a uh, a pretty large seed dealer back in the day uh, when I was a kid growing up. So while other kids got to go to Florida and other cool places for spring break, uh, I got to help deliver seed to the local farmers. So uh, I got my introduction into this business a long, long time ago. I've got two sisters, one older and one younger. Uh, growing up, we were all uh, pretty intimately involved in 4-H. We had 4-H cattle, uh, show cattle, show pigs. Uh, for a few years, we even, I think we farrowed maybe at our biggest something like 12 sows. So we had a small little feeder pig operation when I was growing up. Um, I decided though that I wanted to go to college and make my own way. So, uh, so that's what I did. I went to Purdue, which was, you know, a whopping 35 miles down the road. So I didn't go far, but I uh, went to Purdue, graduated from Purdue and uh, went to Bowling Green, Kentucky for my first job out of college. Went to work for a pet, a pet food manufacturer uh, called Hills Pet Nutrition. You've probably heard of Hills if you've ever fed science diet or a prescription diet pet food. Um, that's the company I went to work for out of school. So when you graduate from college, I'm not sure you have a clue what your, you know, what your core principles are, or what your leadership style is going to be. Um, I was really blessed to go to work for a company which 
shaped both of those those things for me. So not everybody gets that lucky, but I went to work for a company whose principles and beliefs about how you treat people um, were perfectly aligned with my own personal principles. So I worked in Kentucky for a little over five years, got a chance to, to move with Hills to a new, a new facility in Richmond, Indiana. And uh, the, this Greenfield startup in Indiana was the company, was what the company had dubbed a uh, high commitment work system. So it was at this site I learned about self-directed work teams and then got to develop a leadership style really based on inclusion, engagement, and empowerment. Very challenging five years, but probably the most impactful five years of my career. Uh, my two oldest daughters were born while we were back in Indiana, back in Richmond, uh, Allison and, uh, and Annie. They were born in Indiana. Uh, after a couple of promotions, I was blessed with the opportunity actually to go back to Kentucky, where I started uh, to lead that plant as the plant manager. So now by this time, the girls are seven and four, I would guess. Uh, Allie and Annie are seven and four. Uh, my parents and my in-laws lived about seven miles apart back here in Indiana. Uh, we knew we wanted to get the kids uh, to spend more time with their grandparents. We wanted to eventually get the kids involved in 4-H. Uh, so my now ex-wife and I moved the family back to Indiana, uh, and I went to work for a small family-owned company that manufactured wild bird food. So that company was called Morning Song Wild Bird Food. I helped grow that business and the family uh, the family actually ended up selling the business to Scott's miracle Grow, who you've probably heard of, uh, the lawn fertilizer, grass seed, and, and soil guys, right? So I stayed on for about three years after the, after the acquisition and ran the Midwest region for Scott's um, with soil and bird food facilities in Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. Uh, as you can imagine, I was on the road 90% of the time. Um, and the kids were getting, you know, Allie was getting old enough, old enough at that point to be ready to start 4-H, um, you know, soccer, gymnastics, every other thing you could imagine, right? So um, I actually made the decision to leave Scott's, went to work for a, uh, a vehicle upfitter of all things in Northern Indiana. So up to this point in my career, everything I had done had been focused on putting something in a bag, whether it was dog food, cat food, bird food, or soil. <clears throat> so I went to work for a vehicle upfitter in Northern Indiana that converts minivans to wheelchair accessible minivans, also builds wheel, wheelchair lifts. So <clears throat> I ran the metal fabrication operation for that company, which is ironic since my knowledge of metal processing consisted of dad teaching me how to stick weld two pieces of metal together when I was a kid. So um, <clears throat> I did that for about six years. That job was, fit, was a 53 mile drive one way. So those were, those were tough times, a lot of time on the road, just getting to and from work each day. That eventually became too much. I moved to a plant manager role um, closer to home, running a site that supplied coated and printed metal to the food, beverage, and aerosol can business. Uh, during this time frame, um, I went through a divorce. So that was a, that was a tough time for, for me and actually for the whole family. Um, later than several years later, I met, I met my wife, Bailey, who at the time was a nurse. So Chelsea, you'll be able to re relate to this having, having started your career as a nurse. So Bailey was a nurse <clears throat> and um, the leader inside of her was, was trying to get out, right? As she started the, the, the company that, that hired her as a nurse, uh, she started to dabble in HR, eventually becoming an HR manager. Um, and she's an HR manager today at Caterpillar actually in Lafayette. So she's, a, she's an HR manager for a large, uh, diesel engine facility down in Lafayette. Um, 
I wasn't really looking for a different job at the time when this role, when this role in Remington was presented to me. Uh, I'm not even sure, honestly, how I learned about it. But uh, this role is literally four miles away from my childhood home. So where I sit in the office today, I'm I'm sitting four miles from uh, from where I was slinging bags of seed as a kid. So uh, my two oldest daughters are now 26 and 23. The oldest is is an HR manager for a large craft brewer in Indiana. And uh, my 23-year-old daughter is a software developer for Capital One. Um, Bailey and I had a, uh, had a daughter together, so I also have get the chance to, to be a parent all over again. Uh, uh, the little one, she's about ready to turn five. She'll turn five in November. So needless to say, and I think Chelsea mentioned this, I'm surrounded by talented uh, and successful women and consider myself to be blessed. So that's a little bit about me. Thanks for going through that, Jeff. That was a lot of a lot of moving around and moving parts. But one thing I want to get started with is the question we kick every podcast off with, and is something I honestly look forward to hearing the answer as we have different guests each um, month. But if there is one thing that you would shout from the rooftops and never want to whisper, what would it be? One thing I could shout from the rooftops and never want to whisper. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question, and I, I've, I've never had it phrased that way, but I've actually been having this very discussion with my 23-year-old with my right now who's kind of trying to figure out, I mean, she's a software developer, we talked about that, but she's really trying to kind of, you know, more or less trying to figure out what she wants to be when she grows up, right? So I think, I think if, I could, if I could yell anything from the rooftop and not whisper it and shout it out loud, it would be to, to find your passion doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, a for-profit business or if it's being on the board of a nonprofit, um, you know, leading, I enjoy. So I think find your passion and, uh, you know, don't stop until you find it. Jeff, I would love to know how long it took you to find your passion because I'm young in my career and I have absolutely no idea where my passion lies. So I'm hopefully it doesn't take long, but I would love to know kind of when was like the light well, bulb for you? I mean, it didn't take long for me. I mean, I got thrust into right out of school. I got thrust into second shift. Uh, Jim Vaughn, who's still a good friend of mine and I, we uh, we started out of college together and Jim and I ran second shift for Hills in, in Bowling Green. And you know, there was nobody else around Quincy. So, I mean, there were no other managers around. It was it was Jim and I. So, uh, you know, you learn pretty quickly what you're good at. Um, and, you know, and I learned pretty quickly that I was I was good at helping people. I was good at leading. I was good at developing others. And I've gotten way more satisfaction over the last 32 years of my career in seeing other people be successful, um, you know, versus me. And I just, I guess I figured out pretty early that that's, that's, that's what, that's fun for me. So no matter what I've done in my career since then, it's always centered around uh, being able to do that for people and with people. So that's awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Seems like that passion for leadership has taken you through all the different roles that you've been a part of. For our next question, you talked quite a bit about the different women in your life. Um, I would like to know who's the most influential woman in your life or someone that you look up to. Wow, Megan, that's a, uh, that's a tough one. I've got some pretty awesome choices. You know, you, I could, I could go with mom, right? 87 years young. And to this day, still the glue that holds our family together. I think back to, I mean, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for mom. So 
and it's really cool to see her get a chance to be a grandparent again, right? Because, you know, 26 and 23, my two older daughters, I mean, they've been, they've been grown for quite some time, but to see her interacting with a four-year-old again is, is a lot of fun. So I could choose mom, you know, living on a farm, there's no such role as a housewife, right? Mom's role could be better described as partner. Uh, 15 acres is a pretty small farm by today's standards, but for a couple with three kids, uh, that was pretty demanding on everybody. And mom was no exception. Uh, I could go with my sisters. Uh, my older sister, Sandy, is a retired commodities broker. She owned her own commodities firm for, for a number of years. She's also a breeder of uh, very competitive show boar goats that, are, that show nationally. So she's, she's been very successful. Uh, my younger our younger sister, Jamie, has raised two daughters of her own that have gone on to be Division I soccer players. One just graduated from the University of Oklahoma, started for Oklahoma, and then my, my younger niece um, starts for Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. Or I could choose my daughters. Uh, you know, the two, the two oldest, both graduates of IU, uh, I mentioned earlier, Allie's the HR manager for Upland Brewing, which is a large craft brewer in Indiana. Uh, Annie lives in Richmond, Virginia. She's a software developer for, uh, for Capital One. But if I had to pick one and only one, it would no, it would no doubt be uh, my wife, Bailey. So she took on the role of stepmother, uh, you know, when, when she and I married and, and helped me raise two challenging teenage daughters. So I never batted an eye. She helped me raise, uh, or she's given me a third daughter, which we're in the, you know, raising together. Uh, I've always said my favorite thing in life is raising kids, so uh, I'm blessed to get a chance to do that again. But Bailey's drive, her passion, um, her leadership ability, unconditional love, incomparable parenting skills, her listening ability, she's just a great partner. Um, and like I said earlier, she's a nurse by trade. She started her career as a nurse and was fortunate to work for a company that asked her to get involved um, in some HR tasks. She loved it, figured out she was really good at it. Uh, if she was being honest, she'd probably admit she's been a leader all of her life. So jumping from nursing into an HR, HR role and eventually uh, into an HR leadership role was, was more natural, uh, a, a more natural progression than one might think. So she's really good at what, she's do what she does. I'm fortunate, um, I'm fortunate to call her my wife, and I'm certainly fortunate that she's the mother of my daughter. Uh, when my older daughters need li uh, life advice or career advice, they call Bailey. They don't call me or they call me second. <laughs> they call <laughs> Bailey first. Heck, I mean, she's the one I call if I've got, uh, if I need life or career advice too. So uh, if I had to pick one, it would be Bailey. Jeff, it's, it sounds like you're just surrounded by a wealth of wonderful and astounding women in, in your life. Um, so one question I have for you kind of along those lines is how do you show up as an ally or an advocate for, for not only those women that, you know, you're, you look up to, but other women in, in your life and others, you know, that you're surrounded by? Yeah, that's a great question, Allie. I think honestly, for me, um, <clears throat> the best way to advocate for or be an ally for the women in my life, and, and that's both the, the women in my personal life and the women in my work life uh, is, is quite honestly, it's to ensure that women, that the women in my life have a seat at the table. So as far as my daughters, I try my hardest to model that for them and encourage them to expect that in their personal lives. 
uh, at home, you know, Bailey and I join in all the decisions we make. That's, you know, financial, parenting, everything. Her voice is just as, impo just as important as mine. I think I learned that from dad. That's the way, that's the way mom and dad's relationship was. So, you know, Bailey's voice is just as important to my, as mine. And I don't, I don't honestly know any other way to do it. So at work, I look at it the same way. The most powerful way for a woman to be included at work is not because she's a woman, but because she's a deeply talented leader with great judgment who makes really good decisions. That person should have a seat at the table, period. Um, so I, and I believe that way of thinking and modeling that can change, you know, the observer's perspective or change those people who we're working with who are kind of watching this unfold, right? I think if you, if you model that, you can start to change people's perspective. So those who have traditionally come to expect a male to have that seat at the ta table, you know, I hope we can show them a different reality. Uh, I don't know that you can force or manufacture that change in mindset. You can certainly try. I think it has to be modeled and it has to be natural and it has to be matter of fact, you know, like, like why shouldn't she have a seat at the table? Um, you know, we're better because of it. So Chelsea, I'll use you as an example. You know, you, you worked for me. Um, you took a very unconventional path to becoming a leader. Uh, you had capabilities you probably didn't know you had or maybe doubted yourself on. Uh, for me, considering you for a leadership role was a no-brainer. So like I said earlier, you know, deeply talented, uh, great judgment, excellent decision-making skills. Your transition into that leadership role was in the early days of trying to drive some pretty significant uh, changes to the culture at the site. You know, so some might have considered that a risk and you know, not me, I wasn't one of them. I, I needed to partner with the best strategic leaders and you are without a doubt one of those. Um, and you know, I want my daughters to believe this too, Allie. I want, I want Allie and Annie and eventually Arden to believe that too. So that's why I think it's so important for me, for me to model that not only at work, but at home too. I want my nieces to believe that. Uh, like you said earlier, I mean, I've spent my whole life surrounded by uh, very talented and very powerful women. So it's pretty important to me. Yeah, I think that's, you know, being that individual that can, one, be a voice and say that seat at the table is reserved for our talented people, men, women, everything in between is, it's very strong and very brave, but the physically modeling and, you know, so to speak, pulling the chair out to allow that person to sit down or giving up your seat maybe is something that, you know, I, th I think is extremely brave and, and something that you know I think we all kind of have our experience with and um, I think it's it's something that you know it's great to have someone identify that in you and identify you know you have some skill that's showing up you may or may not realize it but I do I realize that in you and I think your example of, of Chelsea and um, maybe your wife even Bailey you, you noticed transferable skills. You noticed those things that, you know, can take them any route that they want to go to chase their passion and, and be successful and ultimately have that seat at the table. And so I think, you know, how do you, how do you get someone to notice that they have those transferable skills or how do you help someone um, come to that place that they feel comfortable sitting at the table, you know, having that seat, having those conversations and, and being a part of that? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good question. I think a lot of that comes 
through, I think a lot of that comes through one-on-one -on -one discussion. You know, I mean, first of all, you have to create an environment where the person that you're, that you're helping, right. The person that you're developing feels comfortable, maybe sharing some of their, some of their fears or some of their reservations or some of their, some of their concerns. And, and uh, so I think being that safety net, right. And being, being that sounding board, um, you know, I, and, you know, Chelsea may be better to answer this than me, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not that I'm not trying to describe a situation where we're behind closed doors and rehearsing, you know, it's not really that it's more the, uh, you know, just being a sounding board being, being able to help somebody, you know, understand the message or understand the, the change that you're trying to, that you're trying to implement or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you know, just helping the person think through that. Um, and then I think what's probably even more important than that is, um, is showing up and and endorsing that person uh, with what are with whatever it is they're trying to do. I mean, I think that speaks louder. Um, you know, when you're a visible leader, and you know you're you're not you're not undermining what what a woman is saying in a leadership role. You're endorsing it. I mean, and it's and and you're following it, and it's the way we're going to do things. I, th I mean, I think that's the message that needs to be sent to people, right? Is that it doesn't matter who the leader is. I mean, if this is, if, if this is the direction we're going, then that's where we're going. And I think, if, you know, the more you can, you can be firm with that and, and communicate that message, uh, that, that, that show of support, um, I think legitimizes the leader. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a, that's a very important part of it. Yeah. Having that advocate in your corner, and having that person kind of boost boosting your confidence to to go and make that decision and, and go and be that person is definitely something that is um, beneficial to finding, you know, your passion and becoming that employee or leader, whatever your passion is, um, or whatever your dream is. So I think that's great, Jeff, I think having that advocate and, and that voice for, you know, saying, this is the stance we're taking and we're following this person because they have those skills and they have that is, is great. And I'd like to say, I mean, and I think this is the power of allyship and advocacy too in careers. I mean, it's so important. Um, you know, there are tons of times when, you know, women or other uh, folks who maybe don't traditionally fit into a particular role may not recognize those transferable skill sets because they've been told one thing for so long. And sometimes it takes an ally or an advocate to really um, help you to understand maybe what your passions are and what your transferable skills are. So um, it's obviously been hugely helpful for me in my personal career as well. Uh, I have the next question and we're going to turn the tables a little bit here. You, you talked to us about, you know, you've had many different leadership roles in your career and you've moved um, in the roles um, and moved between companies. You've moved locations. Can you talk about your experience in moving with those roles, either moving to a new company in a different position or actually physically moving your family. And how did you make those decisions, balancing your personal and professional life? And then also thinking about how has that changed when you were, you know, fresh out of college versus now um, with some more experience and uh, family with you? Yeah, sure. That's a great question too. And I, yeah, I, that's, that's a great way to frame it too. I'll, I'll kind of talk about what it was like early in my career um, and maybe even 
maybe even have a little bit of advice for folks too on maybe how they should think through this. And then I'll, then I'll talk a little bit about kind of what those discussions look like today uh, between Bailey and I. But yeah, so early in my career, Chelsea, I, I, I guess for lack of a better term, I took on the traditional breadwinner, right? I mean, I, I don't think we consciously thought of it that way. Uh, my ex-wife was a teacher. Uh, so obviously when our marriage began, we didn't have kids. Uh, early in my career, the kids were, were very little. It's never easy to move regardless of how old the kids are or at what stage you and your spouse are in with your careers. I mean, it has to be a conversation. It has to be a partnership. So I'm a pretty goal-oriented person. Uh, so I knew after the first few years of my career what path I, I thought I wanted to take. Um, and so, and I knew what that was going to mean, right, as far as uh, needing to maybe experience some different sites, some different cultures, different things like that. So that's got to be a conversation with your spouse. Um, full disclosure. So I knew, I knew limiting my mobility would limit my opportunities. So as a couple, you know, we knew what that meant. We went into it eyes wide open. When it comes to moving uh, with your career, I think there are, there are other really important factors that, that can either help or hinder that transition as well. Um, and it's a best to attack. It's best to attack those as a couple as well. So, and what I mean by that is community involvement, specifically, you know, volunteerism uh, is huge. Whether that's been church-related or some other group, that's it's always been something important to me, and has made transitions into new communities uh, a little less daunting. Uh, actually, today Bailey and I are both board members. We we actually serve on a board together for the Food Finders Food Bank of Greater Lafayette. So. Um, Food Finder serves a 16 county region, which includes the counties where we both work. So it's a great way to meet people. Uh, it's important work. The decision to move back to Indiana back in 2002 was a tough one, though. So, you know, the, from, from 1990 to 2002, I was still very focused on, on a career with Hills. Uh, I, that took moves. Um, with, the, with Hills, uh, the next role that, that my manager was discussing with me was, was likely an international assignment. So we were talking about Poland or the Czech Republic or France, someplace like that. And as exciting as that sounds, uh, my kids were seven and four uh, when that was being discussed. And like I said earlier, we knew we wanted the kids to spend more time with grandparents. We knew we wanted to get them in things like 4-H. Um, so we back in 2002, we made the decision to come back home, come, come back to Indiana. You know, a lot of people decide they want to be close to home at some point in their careers, some earlier than others, others. And I always tell young leaders, you know, you can always go back home. There's so much value in moving around with your employer, especially early in your career. Uh, every site that I've ever worked in has had a very different culture. The leadership teams had different priorities. Uh, all of my leaders at those different sites had different styles, you know, so all of those experiences shaped me and made me the leader and the person that I am today. So I'm, I'm glad I did it. I always encourage young leaders to take that risk, get away from home earlier in your career. The longer you wait to do that, the harder it is to convince yourself to take that plunge. Today, you know, with Bailey and I, these conversations are, are definitely different. Bailey's career is every bit uh, as demanding as mine, if not more so. Uh, she's good at it. She loves what she does. We talk regularly about the things, you know, that we're working on in our development plans. And you know, we also discuss career path, possible next roles. And, and yes, we, we do broach the subject of relocation um, because that's a possibility for both of us. So again, it's a partnership. 
uh, and it requires full disclosure and, and honesty. You, you can't make those types of decisions in a vacuum. Uh, you have to be a team and you've got to make those decisions together. So that's the way I've done it, you know, really my whole career. And, and that's no different today. I mean, it, it's a little bit different conversations now, because like I said, I mean, Bailey's career at Caterpillar, I mean, she's got, she's got a path just like I do. So, you know, those are, those are discussions that we have on a regular basis just to, to make sure that she and I are on the same page with what the possibilities are and, uh, and kind of what our decision-making process will be. Yeah, I um, certainly as you get older, I would assume that those conversations and as you have more dependence and, and uh, balance of careers, those decisions and discussions become more difficult. Um, and I know for me, you know, it's been the same kind of trying to balance two very important careers and how do you make that happen? And sometimes I think we think of that as a primarily women's issue, but I think it goes both ways. It can affect anyone. Um, it's just traditionally been something more that we, you know, families tend to move with the husband or father's career, but certainly, um, we, we, the women in the relationships might have just as demanding careers and, uh, those, those conversations can go either way. So it's interesting to, to talk to leaders who have been through multiple moves and made that decision with multiple times to understand how that, how those decisions are made. Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, it's absolutely not easy. You're right. But, um, yeah. And to your point, I mean, as things change, so you got, gotta be flexible. And again, I think go, go back to, uh, you know, having these discussions as a team and making these decisions together. I think that's a, that's a big deal. Jeff, I am interested because I myself have a significant other that, you know, this is a topic that we discuss very frequently in terms of like how to be successful in your career and also be successful in a relationship at the same time. So like, how did, how did you and Bailey start to have those conversations? Like what was the catalyst that was like, okay, we need to sit down and figure this out. And you know, what did you guys specifically discuss that was really beneficial and kind of key to, like I just said, a successful relationship and career? Yeah, great question, Quincy. It's, you know, I think, I, I don't know if I can put my finger back on exactly how we started to have the discussions or maybe what the, uh, um, you know, what the, what the motivation was to do that other than, I mean, I think, I think, you know, my career path was a little bit easier to understand. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been doing this type of a role for, you know, really the last 30 years. So, understanding what the possibilities are for me and for my career was, was maybe a little bit easier to understand as Bailey started, you know, really getting into her career with Caterpillar started to take on more leadership responsibility. You know, I think, I think she could start to see a path as well. Right. So, um, and again, I think it's those conversations where, you know, you come home, you come home from, you know, from work and you're like, well, you know, let me, let me tell you what the, what, what my, what the development plans are that I'm working on. Or let me tell you about a conversation I had with my, with my boss today about, you know, maybe a future, a possibility of a future role. You know, I think we, we had conversations like that pretty early on in her career at Caterpillar and, uh, and began to, 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 we began to see pretty clearly that we, we could potentially have some conflicts in the future, you know, because we're both, you know, both, um, both career oriented, both goal oriented, both have, you know, career paths that we could easily pursue and kind of focus in on. But 
uh, I, I just, I, I, I guess what I wanted to do. And I think, I think she was, she felt the same way. I didn't want to take anything for granted, right? I didn't want to assume anything. So uh, we have a lot of conversations about that. Um, I, to this day, can't tell you um, if one of us is presented with a fantastic opportunity. You know, I can't to this day tell you what we will do. I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting discussions, but I think it's all on the table, right? I think, I think all those things are possible. Um, and I've, I've never hesitated to, I, I always wanted to make sure that Bailey understood that. I mean, she's got, she's got a lot of opportunity in her current role at her current location, just like I do. But I think, uh, I think, again, we have to be, uh, we have to be aware that um, things can change and opportunities that you maybe hadn't even thought of come out of nowhere. And uh, you, know, you just got to be ready to have those conversations as a couple. You know, I'm, I'm making it sound easier than it really is. You know, I mean, I think if that day comes, I'm sure it'll be tough conversations. But, um, you know, it's a conversation that she and I have committed to each other that we'll have. So. No, that's really good advice because, you know, I'm sure there are numerous listeners who are facing the challenge that, you know, you and Bailey face navigating relationship and a career at the same time. And I think you you being open and sharing your experience, it, it's really nice because I think, you know, I'm going through it right now. And I'm sure there's, like I said, a lot of listeners who probably are going through it or will go through it or have gone through it. So appreciate you being open about that, Jeff. Well, the other thing I would say to that, Quincy, is I think I think Bailey has probably opened my eyes some too over the last several years because I can I can look back early in my career and I can I can admit that I that I probably took a lot of things for granted, just assuming that we would follow my career, you know, and it's and so um, she's she's really helped me, I think, understand that. Um, I mean, heck, that was probably a little bit selfish of me back in the early days. I didn't even realize it. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I think I, she's helped me understand that, uh, you know, there's more to it than that. And which is, which is, again, I go back to my girls, right. I want them, I want them to have that same type of relationship with their significant other or their spouse at some point too. So, um, yeah, I mean, she's helped me learn. And, um, and I think, um, you know, it's been, it's, it's been, uh, it's been good for our relationship, I think. Yeah, Jeff, it's, it's very apparent that you, um, you have a high level of respect for those women in your life and personal and professional life and the modeling and the, and the voice you bring behind that is, it's just so apparent as we're having this conversation. And what I want to do is thank you for today, for being transparent with us and sharing your personal experiences and how you've been an advocate and an ally for women, both personally and professionally. And so we just want to take a moment here and, and thank you for sharing with us and thank you for joining the Whisper Loud podcast. Well, thank you very, very, very much for having me. I really appreciate it.